Hi, everyone. This is Mike from Singing for Survival, the Capoeira History podcast. And I'm finally back with another episode. Um, I haven't stopped working on these projects, but I'll say that uh, my pace is definitely slowing down a bit, uh, just as some of my responsibilities with, um, with my own teaching are increasing. Uh, I'm actually recording this the morning before uh, our first open hoda here in, uh, in the South Bay in California. So we're, we're really excited to get things up and going. Uh, so I'm, you know, just divided between a lot of things. But today, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about Capoeira Apelidus. This has been something that's been on my mind for for quite some time, uh, especially since the forming of of our new our new group here down in Santa Clara. Um, I've been thinking a lot about what what are the traditions that we've been following up until this point why are we doing them is it still a good idea to do things the way that we have been and and really what do i personally want to do uh, as i go forward with this new venture so this is partially for my own benefit to really take a step in and see what we can learn about um, not only where apelidos come from the nature of them and and how really the the capoeira community as it stands today, thinks about it. So first, what are apelidus? Apelidus are pretty pervasive in Capoeira culture today, uh, at least among most groups. And they're often one of the first things you notice when you show up on your first day of class. The almost always Portuguese names that everyone will introduce themselves as. Apelidus are Capoeira nicknames that people are given after being in a group for some amount of time. And those people usually go by those names exclusively, a lot of times both in and outside of class. The amount of time it takes for someone to receive an apelidu, the type of name, and even the manner in which it's given can vary pretty greatly from group to group. The most common, however, is that nicknames are given by the mastery or instructor shortly after a new student joins, uh, and it's typically something casual that the teacher observes about the student. The most common story about why we hold the tradition of Epelidus relates back to the Malta era of Capoeira history, which we talked about in a previous episode. As the story goes, Capoeiristas were heavily persecuted at this time, so they went by aliases in order to protect themselves and their friends. And going forward, we honor this history by continuing to adopt Capoeira names once we start training. This is the story I was taught when I first started Capoeira. And polling on the Capoeira subreddit seems to reflect the same thing, although there are some folks that uh, were asking questions about this, which we'll get into a little bit later. Uh, if you listen back to our episode on the, the Malta era, um, you can see that uh, there's evidence that there were a lot of Capoeiristas that went by uh, Apelidus really in the very same way that we use them today names that are seemingly observational things about them, uh, or something like an animal name. Now, the Capoeira community has been going through pretty big upheavals since the summer of 2021, and many people have been taking a very critical look at the way we run our groups and the way in which we carry forward tradition. Personally, I certainly think tradition is important, 
but I also don't think that we should necessarily blindly carry tradition forward without thinking about its application to the place and time that we're in. So as my own program is growing uh, and people have asked me if I'm going to give Apelidus, I wanted to take a really good look at why we give Apelidus and what their effect is on the students and the community. I have wanted to take a very intentional approach into the way that I, I design and build up the things that will become traditions for my students. And this includes musical traditions, this includes uh, uniform requirements, this includes the way that uh, I even talk and, and approach my students and structure my training. I think it's important that once we are given a leadership position, we take a really close look at the things we're doing and ask questions in a, uh, in a caring and re respectful way so that we can make sure that we're doing the best job we can for our students. Um, I, I don't remember who it was who, who said this, um, but I, I heard recently in the last year or so the idea that we need to be using Capoeira to help our community and help our students and not the other way around. So I want to take a very careful approach to the way that I do things. So to start this, this investigation and this discussion, uh, I want to take a look at a survey I conducted within the Capoeira subreddit, as well as among uh, several folks that I know personally in the Capoeira community. The survey I gave asked a few basic questions about people's experience in Capoeira, as well as their relationship with Apelidus. I collected 75 responses from people around the world and have consolidated these responses to try to draw some kind of trends and see what we can learn from, from people's experiences. So first, I want to talk about the limitations and biases in this mini-study. First, the vast majority, about 85% of all respondents were from either North America or Europe. This means that we are getting a bit of a narrow cultural scope, um, but for the, for the purposes here, I'm not too, too concerned about that. I teach in California, so the population that we're uh, kind of selecting to is the same that I'm interested in serving the most. Uh, so I think it will still be, well, I'll say while it's not necessarily informative on a global sense, it is at the very least informative for the populations that I'm trying to reach. Second, the median time in Capoeira for all of the respondents was 10 years. This means that we're sampling from a crowd that is older, is very bought into Capoeira, and to whom names weren't a big enough issue for them to leave the art, even for those who may have had a problem with it along the way. It would be interesting to get a bigger sample of folks who are very new to the arts, 
to get a little bit more of a diversity of opinion on on how how they feel about uh, names and uh, other aspects of of capoeira culture as well but it's definitely more difficult to do so now that we understand the the limitations of what we're talking about uh, let's let's get some more uh, general information about how these names were received so 75% of names from people polled were given within the first year. 55% of those were given by the mestre of the group. 44% were given by the, uh, the instructor or an instructor. And there was a single uh, person who submitted that their name was given by a fellow student. So this, this says a few things about the dynamic of namings. First, that names are typically given very early on, uh, which is something that we we brought up before. Um, a lot of times it's something that people get on their first day, their first week, their first month, something like that. Um, and, and second, that the name is always given top down by someone with uh, a power or leadership position in the group. Um, we'll talk a little bit later about the implications of that, but I just want to throw out that this is this is what we're seeing generally uh, trending. And this, this kind of reflects my own experience uh, in meeting people in Capoeira through the years. So next, I wanna take a look at the types of names that were recorded. I took all of the names that people had submitted and tried to divide them between a handful of really general categories. So these categories were uh, appearance, so a name that is based on somehow on the way the person looks. Sometimes it's height, sometimes it's weight, those kinds of things. Uh, second, uh, animal names. Third, uh, racial-based names. Fourth, some sort of action that they did in the class. Fifth, a character. Um, and when I say character, that can be either a, a fictional character, it can be a cartoon character, or it can be a specific person uh, in history. Uh, and finally, uh, the last category is really kind of a catch-all. Um, uh, I called it quality. So that's basically a name that is, um, that is in general about some sort of quality a person has. So uh, an example of this would be someone called uh, Paciencia, uh, or patience, uh, or someone called like dedicado, um, dedicated, those kind of things. Things that are, are something about the student, but are not just, uh, they're not specifically an appearance-based thing or a very specific action that they may have done. So among these categories, the two largest were animal and quality, each of them making up 28% of the total responses. 20% had something to do with the person's appearance. 9% were a reference to a character, fictional or otherwise. 8% were racially based. And 6% were based on some action the person did. So it's, it's hard to say exactly how this breakdown would relate to the general Capoeira population. Um, Specifically because, as I said before, the median age in Capoeira of, of the respondents is 10 years. So 
this is people that started Capoeira quite some time ago um, and also are, are long haulers. They stayed in throughout whatever, um, and the, the little minute details or, or even specifically names weren't something that, that pushed them away from the art. I'll say in my own experience, animal names are very common. Uh, quality names are also very common. One thing that I will say that I think is incongruent with, uh, with my own experience is uh, I, 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 seem to, I seem to notice significantly more racial-based names than this breakdown would imply. Um, like I said, there are only 8%. And uh, it, it could be my own experience and my own, you know, small slice of people that I've met. But I, I seem to notice a bit more of that, especially in uh, people that are a little bit newer to the art. So now let's move on to how people actually felt about their names. So in the, in the prompt, people were asked to just say a little bit about how they felt about their name when they received it and how they feel about it now. And I, I assigned a very rough uh, kind of one to five scale on, on people's uh, affinity towards that name. So something like a five would be that they love their name. Something like a one would be that they really hate it. So of the people who responded, 58% uh, either liked or loved their name. 25% felt okay about it. Uh, or had kind of impartial feelings about the name, and uh, 16% had some sort of negative feeling. I think that we have to look back again at the limitations of this survey uh, when we interpret these kind of responses, because if you just look at this, um, then you might say, well, you know, the majority of people uh, really like their names, and you know, a really only a small percentage have negative feelings about it. Uh, but again, we're sampling from a population that has a median time in Capoeira of 10 years. So these are people who, again, are really bought into Capoeira, didn't leave for whatever reason. So if people had a more negative feeling about names, either ones that they received or ones that their friends received, they probably would have left um, really early into Capoeira. So, you know, they wouldn't make it into this, um, this kind of survey. So I'm not sure exactly how we can interpret this in a way that makes sense. It may be that the majority of people who stay in Capoeira a long time feel uh, at least okay about names, or at the very least, they tend to not feel bad about it. So I would say that this means to me that making sure people feel uh, uh, feel okay or don't feel repelled by uh, whatever naming tradition you have is important to getting people to stay in Capoeira uh, long-term. So we can take this a step farther um, by looking at a little bit more of a freeform section of the survey. So there was a question included uh, just on what people thought about names in general or anything that they wanted to include about the whole process. Um, 
And I'd just like to include a, a handful of them here that I thought were uh, important for the discussion. So the first comment is, quote, I think they're extremely important. It's a pity when they're trite, misrepresentative, given without reason, hurriedly, or otherwise misused. I've seen people leave the group because of Epilidus. I've seen people take to them like it was their own given name, end quote. A second says, quote, I really feel it connected me to Capoeira. It gave me an identity where if I heard the name for me, it tied me to Capoeira. Also, everyone in our Hoda would have a name after at most a month. So as an entire group, our Capoeira identities were very concrete, end quote. I think the two of these uh, fit together pretty well. And they reflect a lot of my own thoughts on names in general in the fact of, uh, of giving people an identity within Capoeira. Uh, for some people, it's a separate identity to the, the, the regular world uh, that they, they kind of associate to Capoeira. And for some people, it becomes more than that. It becomes more of their general uh, identity. I know several people who, both inside of and outside of class, uh, they only go by their Capoeira Epilidus. Um, and that can, be, that can be really freeing for people. Uh, but as the first person said, uh, there is sometimes where those things can be misused. So another response says, quote, I have noticed that black capoeiristas in my group receive stereotypical nicknames. Chocolachi, Zumbi, Preto, Tucum, Negro, Angoleru, Pantera, uh, etc., whereas others seem to have names that are more creative and not tied to the color of their skin. End quote. Another says, quote, Insulting or racial apelidus need to be eliminated, and students should feel free to answer or not to answer to any given apelidu. End quote. So the two of these get a little bit to a point that, um, that I was trying to get to when we were discussing the uh, the categories of names that we found in the in the survey. Uh, racial apelidus are something that are fairly common. Um, and I think that we need to consider the cultural landscape that we're in uh, when we give nicknames like this, uh, depending on where we are, where we are in the world, where we are within a country, and even just the type of people that we're, that we're working with. Um, racial relations in Brazil and Latin America in general are quite different than they are in America. Um, so it, I, I think that you can't exactly transfer over practices in one place to another and expect the people to take to them in the same way. Um, the first person uh, that I quoted here uh, talked a lot about racial nicknames that are given to black capoeiristas, which I have absolutely seen uh, several, several times. Um, what I'll also say is uh, I see a awful lot of racial nicknames when it comes to, uh, to Asian capoeiristas as well. Um, people getting called things like ninja, um, and samurai, those kind of things, uh, and uh, I, I know, I know. In most cases, that's not given with malintent, but it's going to alienate people. 
uh, and it's not something that I think that we should uh, we should continue. So now that we've we've gone through a little bit of what some of the community thinks about Kapuna names and what their or how they manifest themselves today in Kapwara, let's talk a little bit about the history of where this tradition comes from. So like I said in the beginning of the episode, the most common story of the origin of Apelidus is in the Malta era of Kapwara, where the art was explicitly illegal and heavily persecuted. As it's usually told, Kapwaristas of that era went by aliases to protect themselves from the police. Like I said, this is one of the only times in Brazilian history that capoeira was explicitly illegal. And the thought here is that if nobody knows each other's names, then they can't implicate their friends. When I had polled the capoeira subreddit on where people thought that the, the origin of nicknames came from or what they were told in, uh, by their teachers, it was mainly this story though there were some people that had some, some of their own questions. After digging into it a little bit more, I also think that this story is probably a romanticization of the origin of Apelidus. When I say that, that's not to mean that Apelidus have no historical or cultural importance. Uh, I actually think that this means that they are even more important in a more pervasive way to Brazilian culture than the traditional story would suggest. If we start by taking just a broader look at Brazilian culture, we can see that nicknames are are kind of a ubiquitous part of all aspects of life. There are several soccer players that go by different nicknames like Hulk or Nene, Uh, even Pelé is a nickname. Um, that are so encompassing of them that they just go by those names. In some cases, some of these players even legally change their names to those nicknames. The same can be extended to Brazilian politicians. Uh, There's one congressman named Chico Vigilante. Uh, His last name means Watchman, but it's not his actual name. It's a nickname that he took on when he was running for office. We even have a recent president named Lula, only really goes by that even on the political stage, and it's another nickname. So this suggests that nicknames reach all different levels and walks of life in Brazilian culture, and those nicknames hold a significant importance to people's roles in their fields as well as their lives in general. They're so important that they they become their legal names in, uh, in some cases. So it's, it can be tempting to, to leave the origin story here and just say that nicknames are an encompassing aspect of Brazilian culture and that Capoeira has just adopted that, just you know being part of that cultural expression. But I think the next obvious question is, is this just a Brazilian thing or something a little deeper? Um, this is the same question that I like to ask with other parts of the art and other parts of Brazilian culture that we've talked about in the past, whether it's capoeira or maculele or other dance arts. And the truth is, we can find this, this 
cultural tradition in other parts of both Latin America uh, and in other places in the African diaspora. If we stay within Latin America, uh, we can look to Mexico, where there's also a tradition of what they call apodos, uh, which is a nickname used to poke fun at someone. It's different than a uh, just a, a nickname, like a shortened name that you call someone. It's very specifically something that's kind of like jokingly about someone's appearance or something like that. And if you... If you're familiar with Mexican culture or know people who are uh, Mexican immigrants or have Mexican family, you've probably heard something like this, uh, where people will call family members or even just people they see gordo or uh, pelon for people who uh, who are bald. It, it's just it's a normal cultural practice, and I think there's a lot of similarities between that and uh, Brazilian apelidos. We can then take a step farther and look into uh, into America, uh, specifically into Black culture in America. So, if we if we dig into the uh, the 20th century blues and jazz scene in America, what you see is a lot of people, a lot of uh, a lot of Black musicians and artists going by. Uh, nicknames that kind of become their home, their whole persona. So we have Ferdinand Joseph Lamoth, who becomes Jellerol Morton. Charlie Parker is Bird. Eleonora Fagan becomes Billie Holiday, uh, and Chester Arthur Bennett becoming Howlin' Wolf, just to give uh, a handful of examples. And they're similar in that they're new characters that these people are taking on uh, as part of their their as part of their performance persona but it takes on a stronger role in that as their as their lives progress and if we if we even step away from the performance aspect of things uh, there's a great article i found uh, from the perspective of a teacher in baltimore who said quote one of the worst things you can do as a teacher is call the call a child by their full name they don't associate with it they know each other by nicknames and names they've earned End quote. So this nicknaming tradition, cultural practice, is something that is common not just in Brazil, but also in other parts of Latin America, like Mexico, and has a strong presence even today in, in Black culture in America. So it seems to suggest that there's some common through line here uh, with tracing back the African diaspora uh, into these different cultural practices. So perhaps this is a deeper-rooted African tradition that has manifested in different ways in these different countries uh, in these kinds of naming traditions. So again, I don't say all this to discount the story of Abelidus or how important they are in capoeira culture, or even even the fact that you know naming in in capoeira culture is unique and maybe even a little bit separate from other naming traditions. However, I think that these are more deeply ingrained first with Brazilian culture, which has this tradition of nicknaming, uh, and then deeper than that. 
I believe that this tradition is rooted in some African tradition that has traveled and manifested its way through the diaspora um, into these different uh, cultural traditions across America, Latin America, and of course now Brazil. So for the last section of this episode, I want to just share my personal thoughts about Apelidus, uh, the things that I've learned through this process, and kind of where, where I want to be taking this with my own practice. First, like I've said before, based on what I've read, I do believe that Malta-related stories on the origin of Capoeira nicknames is likely a case of invented tradition, and apelidus are much more heavily integrated into Brazilian culture than that story would suggest. Capoeiristas in the Malta era certainly did have nicknames very similar to the ones we give today, and I don't think that this devalues apelidus in any way. They are clearly a very important part of Capoeira culture and of many groups' traditions, regardless of where the, the one true origin may be at. Pretty much every group I've been a part of in my time in Capoeira has given nicknames, and I've collected a handful of them along the way myself. Now, there, there are still groups that don't give nicknames, and there are some that even take a very hard stance against nicknames. Uh, Mestre Moraes is, uh, is one notable person who takes a very strong stance uh, against Apelidus. And while I do want to take a really critical look at how we approach giving nicknames, I don't think that abandoning them altogether is, is the, the right thing to do either. From my own experience in Capoeira and also the experiences of others both that I've talked to and that were pulled in the survey, for a lot of people, nicknames are a powerful part of the group building experience of Capoeira. It comes alongside with building your own Capoeira identity and your, your identity within your community. And I think that's worth holding on to. But what I will say is that I think it's worthwhile taking some time uh, to really consider the names that you give to your students. I think that first impression names uh, are often more harmful than helpful. Uh, it, can, it can come off as alienating to, get a, to be named something else the moment you walk in. Uh, and those names are the most superficial, the most appearance-based, racial-based, all of those kind of things. So I think waiting some time, perhaps even to the first event or the first uh, awarding of chords, is probably the, the best way to get the best result uh, out of the names that you give. I also really dislike names that are meant to be belittling or, or poking fun at someone for something they, uh, they've done or, or can't change about themselves. Uh, because one, it's very alienating for those people. And two, it can enforce unhealthy aspects of the Capoeira hierarchy. Like we discussed from the, uh, the survey, almost always the names that you're given are coming from either the mastery of the group or an instructor, someone high level, someone who's leading the class. 
and having that kind of designation for you coming down from the top, uh, I, I think is just not healthy for the group dynamic. I think it's much better to use names as a means to uh, to uplift your students, to help them have an identity within Capoeira, to help them feel a, a group cohesiveness, uh, or even to give them something to, to work towards or to aspire to. Um, like I mentioned earlier in the episode, as teachers and as leaders in the Capoeira community, we should be doing what we can to help our students and help the community with Capoeira, not try to just blindly serve Capoeira at the expense of our students or at the expense of our community. Um, so I think these are some simple steps, uh, at least I will be taking when it comes to giving names to try to do better to help those students. So that brings us to the end of today's episode on Apelidus. This was a little bit of a different topic than we normally go to, but it's, it's been something that's been on my mind and that I've wanted to put some, uh, some, some good thought and research into uh, as I'm approaching these things within my, uh, within my own school. So I hope uh, that this was as informative for you as it was for me. I am still working on episodes. I still do have a number of topics that I want to to cover here. Uh, and as always, if you have any questions about the things that we're talking about, uh, if you have any suggestions about how I can do anything better, or if you have any topics that you'd like to recommend, please don't hesitate to reach out. I'll put my email in the description. Uh, and with that, we'll see you next time. Ela sempre aparecia em maltas organizadas por todas as freguesias. Foi proibida pelo código penal e era sempre perseguida por sampa e vidigal. Capoeira vem aí. Vem aí.